welcome back to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. Today, me and Kristen Dunsmore, we kind of dive into what a peak is, what a taper is, give some insight on how we tend to peak and taper our clients. Of course, at the end of the day, it's just more generic advice. And then we kind of dive into some individualization that we've seen with some of our clients that's just been fascinating to us. And some other stuff too. That's <laughs> a good conversation. Um, so I hope you do enjoy it. I hope you leave a five-star rating and review, or please do that if you haven't already, especially if it's not the first time you listen to the podcast. That means you're a return listener. That means you like it. So please do leave that five-star rating review. I'm not kidding, because I'd be saying it and y'all don't be doing it, but it means the world and helps push the podcast out to more people. So do that and then. Let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hey, y'all. All right. I'm back with the one, one and only Kristen Dunsmore to have another conversation about <laughs> powerlifting stuff. Powerlifting stuff. <laughs> powerlifting. Uh, but how you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing, it's Friday. Can't complain. Going to a Padres game later. Hey, you look like you have a glowy tan going. Well, it's summer and San Diego has been really uh, nice and hot this past couple of weeks. So I've been getting a nice little suntan. But there we I go. Yeah. <laughs> How are it's you doing? the opposite. Over here, we're officially starting to get the breeze. Like it's like yeah. hot during the day, but at 7 p.m. like you put a sweater on. I'm like, oh, fall vibes are coming. Okay. <laughs> starting to cool off. Yeah. I used to live in uh, Syracuse. Oh, cool. And I do not miss it. No, Syracuse is cold. Winters, the winters are horrible. And then uh, having to, like, so I went to school at Syracuse and, like, walking between classes, it'd be, like, a 15-minute walk outside. And it's one of those when you would, like, breathe in and your, like, nose hairs would be frozen, kind of. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's or, tough like, because, like... <laughs> I couldn't go outside with my hair wet because it would turn oh, into no, a little freeze. Cycle. Yeah. <laughs> you freeze and you're immediately sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the difference between there and here. Like, it's like definitely 10% more extreme, at least in Syracuse yeah. versus New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. uh, but today, we're going to just dive into like, what is a peak? What is a taper? How do we kind of feel or how you might feel during the peak and taper versus the normal training block and what how we mentally prepare for Oof. a competition oh here we go you gonna dive so in what is a peak? um so i guess the way that i would define um like a peak would be to maximize your preparedness specifically for a powerlifting meet um and so as you know a powerlifting meet is a, you know, one RM in the squat bench and deadlift. So I'm a big proponent of practice how you play. Um, so in general, a lot of times, um, and, and don't take this as like set in stone, but it's a, a general um, peaking method is usually what happens is you kind of get rid of the accessories. Um, you're focusing more on the, the specific, the lift. So squat bench and deadlift, um, you typically would uh practice performing uh your one rms 
Um, and it doesn't mean max out in the gym every single time, <laughs> but just getting comfortable with heavier load under the bar, I think is super important. So I do want to highlight that there is a difference between trying to max out and just practicing singles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause there is a difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's no like magic formula you know, everyone's response is going to be a little bit different. I think we kind of talked about this before we got on a call is say if someone's doing heavy triples and they're responding really well, it's like, well, you know, we let's, let's keep doing triples. You don't necessarily have to do these singles, um, or at least like a max single, um, or even like you said, doing like higher volume and someone's doing, uh, really well with sets of eight, um, you can certainly keep that in the program, but I would still practice performing those singles because that's obviously how you're going to compete. That was a beautiful explanation. So building off that, I would yeah. have a very similar answer to like, what is a peak? Like it's a period of time where you have a block where you're trying to prepare it, prepare as much as you can for the platform, right? So just like you said, like what adjustments is that? Well, we're definitely going to have singles now for sure. And you may have had singles, like you can have singles year round. You can have singles the block before, yeah. but like you just definitely have them in now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. we're trying to prepare for the platform. So really in my mind, I think of it as we're building into the meat and we're, we're trying to use what we've learned works mm-hmm. for, for us to get prepared for the platform. And we yeah. just simply pull back more than we normally would as we get really close to it so we can have that extra oomph on meat day and when I say pull back I mean like if typically let's say you do a five-week protocol block you always do five-week blocks and we keep in like all the accessories and like you're beat up but you're like pushing to do something heavy at the end of the block the only difference is we start to kind of fade away some accessories we might pull back a little bit of the volume, but we're still keeping it relatively the same. And then once we get to the actual taper parts, which is mm-hmm. probably like a week long, but depends on the athlete. Obviously, if you're like, you know, super heavyweight Ray Williams, you might be a longer taper versus a little... the 60 kilo yeah. lifter. <laughs> um, yeah. But that taper is like, okay, now we're barely doing anything but practicing some singles, practicing and um, you're doing enough to make sure your body remembers how to squat bench and deadlift <laughs> for me today. And that's why it's typically like a week long for the taper. But the yeah. piece is literally just preparing for that meet and keeping stuff similar to what's been working. Exactly. Yeah. And I like to um, do some sort of SBD, especially in a peaking block, just because it's good to have um, practice saying like maxing out but doing deadlift or squats prior, you know? So sometimes I've seen people who they hit a really awesome deadlift PR in the gym, but they're coming in refreshed. You know, they had a day off, it's their first lift. Uh, so they're feeling good. And then come meet day, they're like, well, why was my deadlift suffering? And it's like, well, you pulled that, you know, single when you you were feeling fresh and great. Like, yep. unfortunately in a meet, you know, it's the third attempts or the, the third lift. So usually what I'll try to do is kind of at least add in one SBD day where they're squatting beforehand. Um, and that's kind of like a, I guess how, uh, like the pre-fatigue exercises have become popular. So I guess it's something similar like that, where it's, 
you're pre-fatiguing your deadlift with the squats beforehand if that makes sense um it does make but sense I found, yeah <laughs> so I found that to be really helpful and again it just practice how you play right so literally SBD days where you're working up to singles and you have the squats before deadlifts and what I like so much about SBD days is if you had them in your program like meet day is so easy <laughs> compared to the SBD session oh, yeah. like you get to just do singles like an yeah. SBD session we all know we can be in the gym for anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours could you have your squats your bench and deadlift and you're doing sets yeah you're doing it's sets like- you're doing volume <laughs> You're doing a meet and then you're doing your back offsets or your volume work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so come meet day, you're like, oh, I only have nine reps. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what nothing. <laughs> That's yeah. definitely the benefit of SBD sessions because if you're so used to that, like especially if you can pull a decent deadlift after being fatigued, you should yeah. have a lot better experience on meet day. And I yeah. remember in the past, because I've mentioned this a few times in my podcast, but I had a streak from like 2019 through 2021 where mm-hmm. I did, I missed two deadlifts every meet, like four or five meets in a row. <laughs> just like really? only got the opener. Yep. Only got the opener, failed the next two every time. Just like yeah. dying, just <laughs> dying of exhaustion. I had never really done SBD days. I did start doing them in 2021 and I was still just dying on the day and a major thing I really learned is one SBD is gonna be very helpful but two you don't want to be bsing and taking a huge amount of time to do that session because the meets like let's say you even have 14 people which is the maximum amount you can have during a flight okay yeah. that's approximately 13 to 16 minutes max really especially for me like lighter weight woman different from a heavy flight of men yeah. and if yeah. I'm taking 25 minutes <laughs> to like just build up to my single and blah 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 it's just on meat day I'm just gassed doesn't matter if I eat all the carbs in the world I'm gassed so like that's another great reason to have SPDs leading into your peak but also you need to like kind of time it and if you can know in advance like an idea of how big the meat's gonna be you might want to time it to have like only seven minutes at max between your warming up doing your single doing your back offs yeah I've seen people who don't take enough rest in between their sets and then there's people who forget that they're working out and then chit chat for 20 minutes and they're like oh I guess I should go do my set again but I'm like you just been chilling for 20 minutes like you got to do like your warm-up again bro like what are you doing so yeah I think there definitely needs to be like a, a happy medium and I think like you said 14 people so every lifter has one minute on the platform so give or take I would say 10 to 15 minutes in between sets is going to be like the the sweet spot um of course you know if you're competing at the prime time or at the Arnold where maybe there's eight lifters you're probably going to be you know eight to to ten minutes um so yeah I think it's like I said it's always good to practice how you play um and knowing those things how many how many lifters are going to be in your flight are all going to to be helpful long-term. Yes. And another thing I want to address about a peak. So I have a client who's literally competing tomorrow. She's going to listen to this and be like, oh my God. Yes. And she was reaching out to me a lot, this block, this peaking block. And she was like bummed out because she had this idea 
that she's supposed to be hitting like an excellent, amazing one breath max numbers during the peak. And she was like, oh, it's it's like the last block. I was supposed to be like beating all my old PRs. Yeah. You're trying to PR on the platform, guys. We're not trying to PR in training necessarily going yeah. into me. If you do, that's great. You're probably a super new lifter who's getting strength really fast. And so you can literally like beat your old numbers before you get into me and still beat that on the platform. And that's just good for yeah. you. But like I've been in this for almost nine years now and I haven't done that since like my year one or two. So yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then like once. <laughs> And I think that whole idea honestly comes from social media because I'm guilty of this too, right? Like if I hit a lift and I fail it, like, do you post your fail? Very rarely. And I only started doing them every <laughs> once in a while because I had lifters That's like, I want to see you when you're struggling. Yeah. But most people in general, it's like, if you fail a lift, you're not posting it. So you're going to, you're going to post the lifts that you make. So if someone's in a peaking block and, you know, yeah, maybe they hit a PR in the gym, they're going to post about it. They're not going to post the days that they miss a lift or the days that you go to work out and you can't, you can't even pull the bar off of the ground. Right. Like I've had that where I've gone to the gym and I've just felt so bad and I'm warming up and I have like less than 50% on the bar and I'm struggling to, to deadlift. And I'm like, you know, it's one of those days where it's like, this is not happening. And you go home and you kind of, I mean, at this point, I think I've learned like, Hey, it's okay. This happens. Right. Like I'll, I'll go, um, either lower the load, just do what I can or go home and try again later. Um, but that's also something that I've kind of learned from experience of when it's okay to kind of push through and when this is like, okay, you need a, you need to chill, you know, and that's something that you, you discuss with your coach, but those days that you see the lifter hitting those PRs, like they're, they're only going to post what's, what's going to get likes, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so with newer lifters, a lot of the time, they think that they should be hitting PRs in the gym because that's what they see everyone else doing. But what they don't realize is that they're also probably, and not to say that I recommend failing a lift because I don't, but it happens, right? Like it, it, it does. So those are the ones that we typically don't post and what people typically don't see. And this, I want to give one quick example. <laughs> so Natalie Richards, who is the 57 kilo world champion and got yeah. best lifter at Worlds this year, first she told time. me, yes, first time, first time ever going ever. to Worlds, right? Well, it's like, and I remember, um, I don't want to throw, like, put her on the spot, but there was nationals and I think she bombed out because of yeah. her, her deadlift lockout. So from going to nationals and then coming back from that is huge. It is. And what I was going to refer to is she told me that she failed a squat that she hit like three times in training during her peak for worlds. And I forget what it was, but it was something relatively very heavy. And she was like, she reached out to Steve, her coach, and he was like, it's fine. This sometimes happens. Doesn't mean me. This is going to be bad. It's fine. And so she like kept her cool. And I think we all can agree that she did great. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's like uh, she did not hit any PRs, I believe, during the peak itself. Yeah. And training, yes, not during the peak. She was failing lifts sometimes during the peak. Yeah. And and it happens. And I think that kind of um, like what you were talking about is like your mindset going into a meet. And I think this is why it's important for a coach to also be an athlete. And you don't necessarily have to be the best in the world and like competed at the international level. But being an athlete, like there's a, there's a component to 
like there's a there's a level of understanding as a coach when something like that happens and you fell a lift. And from my experience, it's like, well, what would I would have wanted to know, like in that situation and you reach out to your coach and if they're like yelling at you, like, why would you fail? Or they're making you feel bad about it. You know, that's kind of, that's a red flag. Um, a coach who has been in that situation is more likely to understand and tell you, Hey, look, it's okay. You know, it happens. Don't be too discouraged. There's a lot of factors that you can't really, um, objectively monitor, you know, so, uh, it like, don't, it's fine. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, like maybe you didn't sleep well, maybe you broke up with your significant other. Um, maybe you had a test beforehand, like those things are going to impact your performance in the gym. Even being on social media before, during the gym, there's actually evidence that shows that, um, if you are like excessively on your, your phone, you can actually see a reduction in performance in the gym. And that's due to mental fatigue. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's super interesting. Um, so with all that to say is yeah, if, if you fell a lift, don't try not to, we don't want to, but, uh, it happens and the best lifters in the world, Natalie Richard, she's even filled a, meet, a lift leading into prep and she did fine. <laughs> so you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, what was I about to just say? What was I about to just say? Oh, yes. And so with life stress, like, yeah, you're right, right? Like life stress is a real thing. And oh, typically, even at a local level, for a lot of people, they figure out a way to have even if a day or two off, just some sort of time off before that meets where their stress is lower because they're like, literally, like, I'm not going to work for like a day. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that if you're going to nationals you're traveling so you're getting like one two days off typically right so like you're getting away from life stress for a day or two to focus yeah. and that's huge whereas if you're like okay I worked all day and I'm gonna go to the gym at 6 p.m and you're like how did I fail a lift and it's like think about it for a second right like how was this day did you get all your food in that day are you tired because you're doing all this extra work to make sure you had that the time to take off for the meats, like those are yeah. real things. So are you cutting weight? Are you you have to are cut weight, weight for the meat? You're in a caloric deficit and hopefully not too extreme. But if you're not eating uh, enough, like yeah, you're not gonna feel awesome in the gym. And so all these things can kind of play a role, right? So if not that you should be failing the lift, because I don't recommend that, but it it does happen. And I think it's important for as an athlete to realize. Hey, it happens. Don't let it ruin your day or let it ruin your entire peak. And I think that's important as a coach to kind of reiterate to the athlete um, when that happens and kind of like, I guess, talk them off of a cliff, so to speak. Like I've had athletes too, where they've, you know, like, oh my God, I just failed. I, my peak is done. I'm going to do horrible. I'm going to drop out of the knee. I actually, I had a girl, um, this happened like two weeks ago. Now that I think about it, she's competing this weekend and she had failed a lift and it was like, she wanted to drop out of the meet. And so she's tapering this week, of course. So I've <laughs> fortunately, I'm like, Hey, how are you feeling? She's like so much better. I'm like, Oh, really? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> <laughs> had no idea. And so, I mean, 
fortunately she's not dropping out of the meet. I think um we had our like we went over our temp selections yesterday. Um she's feeling good about it. Uh and I'm she's gonna do fine. But there was a moment of of crisis there when she fell and she was like, Oh my god, I'm getting weaker and like no, you're not. <laughs> you're not going to get weaker in a week. <laughs> Literally. Yes. That's a big thing to say. You're not going to get weaker in a week. <laughs> that's yeah. not really that possible. Yeah. Even if you did zero training for a week and not that I recommend that, I know that people will kind of take an entire week off as part of their taper. And I think now we've kind of learned that maybe that isn't ideal, but it is possible like people have have done it before and they haven't really there hasn't been like a huge drop in performance um other than the weights just might feel heavy because you haven't lifted it a week yeah <laughs> so i hear you we're not recommending take a week off but yes you're 100 yeah. correct um <laughs> but leading into that so we're talking about some people feel like beat up and not feeling great during their peak um i want to talk about like how i had one client she's gonna laugh too she's doing nationals she told me so wait we're two weeks out now so she told me this like a week ago three weeks out she's like I'm really worried because I feel really good I was like what (laughs) she was like I'm peaking aren't I supposed to feel really beat up like I thought this is where like we we do everything and I'm beat up I'm not supposed to feel good at all until I'm a few days out from the meet and I'm like I hear you because sometimes you're peaking and sometimes you are feeling fatigued but honestly, especially with how there's been so many adjustments to the way certain people peak, and it's not always okay, we go heavy, 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 pull back, go. Um, you can feel, it's sometimes normal to feel the way you feel during a regular block of training. Mm-hmm. Feel the same way when you're peaking. You don't absolutely have to feel like you've been hit by a car. And I used to have that idea because we used to always be this simple, right? Like years ago, it was like, all right, super compensation. Oh, God, yeah. Go. That's what it was. I used to teach it. I used to say it. I used to be like, yeah, super compensation. This super compensation and you're going to have like a 10% increase in your performance magically by this magic taper that we're going to perform. We should probably define that word. Good times. We should define that word. Let me see what the actual definition. I think it's just a super compensation of like a extra like increase in performance by a certain amount I, th- I want to say it's like something like five to ten percent I don't know I made that up yeah. so don't quote me on it <laughs> this is the adaptive response of our bodies to a training that's a crappy definition all right and I'm gonna say it's more so a super what? adaptive response yes like a super you know like we get our bodies so used to being super beat like we just go 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 hard and then we would do the taper so like the super conversation was supposed to be like your body gets so used to like lifting so heavy that you feel like dog poop and then you pull back and then you yeah. go but like that's just not always ideal because again that's kind of like all right we're doing really heavy loads the entire time for this peak and that yeah. might not be ideal for some people yeah I think that idea too kind of stemmed from uh the overreaching idea where um you know where where you're feeling not awesome in a meet and you're you're feeling beat up and then once you do this taper and you have this like super compensation effect but i'm sorry to to say this for most lifters but it's really hard to um overreach let alone overtrain as a power lifter 
Um, overtraining might happen with like football players where they're having two a days on top of a practice and they're training at five o'clock in the morning and then they're training later in the afternoon when it's 80 degrees out. Like those are the ones, you know, and probably went out the night before with their friends. Yep. So the, <laughs> those are the type of athletes that would, should be more concerned with overtraining um, as a power lifter who works out for you know, in a peaking block and maybe you're at the gym for three hours and you're sitting for half of that. <laughs> you literally that. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're probably don't have to worry about overtraining uh, or overreaching. So uh, I think we've kind of debunked that whole idea of this super compensation, at least in powerlifting. That, yeah, that our sports. So like, guys, you have to realize like, okay, it's I don't want to sound negative. <laughs> it's not that hard let's be honest you know what I mean? like, yeah like you go to the gym for like an hour and a half and then one day might be super long if you do spd you're there for four to five days a week and like you are doing a set and then you sit down guys mm-hmm. like me it's like you walk on the platform for you're literally okay in a meet aside from like the warm-ups if you think about it it's nine minutes yes and and it's not even because it doesn't take a whole minute to lift the weight, right? It's just you have a whole minute to mm-hmm. set up. But like a deadlift probably takes, I mean, even the longest deadlift might take around 10 seconds. Yes. You know, they're, they're and they're like, they're grinding. Yeah. <laughs> so in reality, you're probably between all nine lifts, less than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, think about it, right? <laughs> Your entire meet day is less than one minute long. <laughs> let me stop. I'm about to be like, I hate this sport. No, I'm kidding. I love it. <laughs> but that kind of kind of shows you the importance of uh, it's a mental sport. Uh, powerlifting is such a mental sport because in reality, the physical component is is very, very low other than the one minute that you're actually working out in that meet. Yes. Um, but it's mentally and we can kind of touch on this too is like leading up to me and like just a mental even just before a lift like when you're going for a PR and you have to psych yourself up you have to get yourself in the zone and hit this lift and you you need that essentially most people do I can't say everybody but you'll see people have this like pre-lift ritual right that gets them psyched up for a meet um to increase their performance and by slapping themselves you're not like it's not magic it's like you're mentally preparing yourself for this lift uh and that's huge so I think mental strength as far as powerlifting is super underrated I think in the sport I agree with you it is huge and I'm definitely learning now that I need to do specific things as it really close to a meet yeah. to make sure I'll be mentally prepared on the day. So I got to do stuff before I even get there. Right. And it's not like, again, it's not magical stuff. You have to kind of find what works for you through some trial and error. But one thing I've kind of learned to do is after I compete, I look back mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, how did they go? And what was it? What did I do before each lift? And like, what was I doing in between waiting for like my squats are over benching, benching and deadlift. So for me, I've had to learn that I need specific types of genres of music on a day. Cause that's going to help me mentally a lot. Like that's something for me. Another thing I have been 
actually meditating, like legitimate meditation, which I suck at, but like now it's working well because I'm doing it close to me daily for like 10 minutes. And I'm just really focused on, I'm not meditating necessarily on the platform. Like I'm not meditating on like thinking about my lift. I'm like, if I can ground myself to only focus on my breathing in this moment and being very present, then I can do the same thing, the same breathing on meet day and be very much in the moment and present because I used to be so overstimulated by looking at the screen, looking at everybody else. I didn't have music in my ears. What's my coach doing? When do I have to go? And like, that's when it's hard. You're scatterbrained, but you have to be focused on your lift. Yeah. And that's, I think, the importance of having a handler or a good handler um, because your goal on meet day is to lift the weight. You know, a good handler is going to load the bar for you. He's going to make sure that you are where you need to be um, before you hit the the platform. Um, you know, how many lifters you are out, how long, you know, between each warm up before you hit the platform. Like these things are all going to go into like what makes a good handler. Um, because on meet day, ideally, all you want to think about is, you know, hey, you're you know, this is your, your attempt, go up, it's your turn. Um, and that's, and you're like, oh, okay, let me get my 10 seconds of workouts real quick. <laughs> and you lift the weight and then that's it. <laughs> so honestly, when I've handled lifters, I feel like I'm more stressed on meet day when I'm handling people than I am when I'm actually competing. Have you found that to be true? Or do you, I mean, yes. <laughs> I like to the point my I'm mentally fatigued and exhausted by the end every time I handle and coach and then yeah. on meet day now that I'm not like so scatterbrained <laughs> I definitely am less stressed out I mean I say scatterbrained like I've always had handlers and honestly I've always had good handlers because I just always yeah. no matter what I was using my coach or I hire someone who was known for handling um, exactly. but what's crazy is like when I say scatterbrain I don't mean like oh I'm focusing on myself because I have to do it myself like you I know people who still get overstimulated and they have a great handler because you can you have to still be able to mentally focus on just you and you mm-hmm. cannot be paying attention to everything happening at the same time and what everyone else is doing and then go out most yeah. people are like that I found yeah and it's always interesting in um you know when you see lifters in the back room and I've had you know I've seen lifters reading a book in between their sessions, uh, lifters listening to music. I think um, Blaine Sumner, <laughs> uh, I forget who told me this, but they were saying that like Blaine Sumner like doesn't have a chill. It's like he's hyped for four hours and that entire me like sitting in the back. He's not reading. He's like, you like, see him on the platform. That's him for four hours <laughs> in the back room. So everyone kind of has like their own little I guess quirk you could say. So actually I'm kind of curious is like when you go up to a lift, are you a screamer? I am not a screamer at all. I am now a slapper. I am only recently a slapper. So I literally, so I listen to my music, whatever it is. Last time it was a lot of like, what even was it? What even was it? It was like music that just got me like ready to go, just like hype music, but like some R B some R and B and some it was just like, <laughs> like so but my exact ritual right now, like for example, I'll see a squat. Take yeah. out my they say bars loaded. I don't even know what they say. My coach says, Okay, let's go. Take out earphones. 
put them in his hand. He gives me the ammonia. One big whip. One, two, three, sniff. The, the tear starts to come in the right eyeball. Just the right? Walk, just the right one, not the left one. The right one. I walk out. I look at the bar. I got to go slap, slap on the chest. Two slaps. It goes, whoa, oh, two, two slaps. Grab okay. the bar, okay? You got to shake the bar. Get under the bar. You got to stump the left foot, not the right. The left foot only gets to stump. Yep. The right one's a calm, <laughs> a calm placement. Got to make sure it feels right in the, in the right spot on my back. Feel the yourself in the bar. Yep. yep. All right. Then we stand up. Then we back up. And there we go. <laughs> That's exact. And if we don't do the sloppy slap grab... We ain't getting the lift. That's not so. the whole, the whole lift is just done. You might as well just sell it. <laughs> I might as well just sit on the floor and just wait for them to help me get up. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I'm the most boring lifter because number one, I train alone a lot. So I never really have like the, you know, the hype um, of other people. So I'm so used to training uh, myself that I find myself like, I don't really get hype anymore. So I'm like really boring. It's like, I just walk up on the platform and I'm in the zone, right? But I'm just like staring at the bar. I go to lift it. And then like, if I get it, I just, you know how everyone's like, fuck yeah, like jumping up and down. I just walk off stage. <laughs> like, all right, I'm done, bye. And I mean, that's, now I think about it, I'm like, God, I gotta be such like a not fun lifter to watch. <laughs> so I gotta come up with like a better, um pre-lift routine so you know how like Chelsea when she does this um she slaps her face <laughs> so whenever you see her walk and she's got like it's a great handprint. she's the only person I know I mean it's so cool that she has something so unique I've never seen anyone else always have handprint on face before every single attempt yeah and that's because she slaps herself I know we see it because she goes <laughs> yeah and I'm like, what happens if you smack yourself like too hard? <laughs> you know? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I got to come up with, um, yeah, I got to come up with a, maybe I'll yell. I think I'm going to yell beforehand and just look really, really mean and scream. And then like, once I get off and then, I'll, you know, like get the lift and then I'll just like be really nice and sweet again. I but love I gotta, how you're like, creating this routine. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm like thinking out loud. So I'm going to have a really cool, um cool pre-meat ritual I haven't done ammonia in a long time so maybe I'll have to try that too maybe that'll help with my um street cred <laughs> I will say I used to be like not anti but just like for me I was like oh I don't need any of this stuff I was very calm I was calm lifter until like the last two meets um honestly <laughs> not kidding but I realized that I was I was too calm and I was also not focused enough on myself which is why I was quote unquote calm I was looking at everybody else's stuff so yeah. now I'm like, okay, it does help me get in the zone. Um, but I only use ammonia in training, like literally two weeks out from the meet, really. Or like if I have a heavy lift at the very end of a block for like just a squat or deadlift. So yeah. if I don't overuse it, it helps me. But I can't use it yeah. often. You also have to get used to it too, I feel like. Because I've tried like ammonia. Um, like I would not recommend taking ammonia if you've never done it before. Like especially right before a, a, a lift right if you've never sniffed ammonia and then someone's like here try this and then you go like that I, I do not recommend that I do recommend taking it at least trying it um like in a in a training session so you're not blindsided by like you know <laughs> just a huge whiff of ammonia right before a lift um but yeah I've tried it I don't know if I like it <laughs> uh you got it 
talking about Mona right now. Um, there's like different uh what's the word? Like there's mild, then there's like extreme, and I mine is like medium to mild. That's the thing. Like yeah. people are like, oh, it's so strong. Like it can be, but like there's so many ones that are just not kill you. I smell from across the room. I'm dying strong. So you just gotta start with like a, a mild one and go from there. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I just like went to the extreme right away. Yeah, you did. Don't get nose bleach. Like this one called nose bleach. That one will like destroy your life and your brain cells. Like don't start there. That's another thing too is like when you talk about brain cells, like I would not recommend sniffing ammonia consistently all the time, every just lip. that. Like- Think about it. <laughs> Ammonia. You don't want to sniff that all the time. If you are going to use it, save it for your max attempts. Um, yeah, I've seen people like doing it with like a warm-up or like a set of 10. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> I hope they're PRing that set of 10. <laughs> not even. That's <laughs> bro. Seriously? Oh my God. I yeah. do want to point out you said like don't take it if you never have a meat day. And it's funny because I, I do believe that. However, I've broken that rule now with my athletes like three or four times. <laughs> At <laughs> local meets where like someone's like offers it and they and I'm like, yo, that second was kind of slow. Mm-mm-mm. That second was slower than I wanted. Like sometimes they're like, can I try a coach? And I'm like, why not? Yeah. Are we not here to have fun? <laughs> We're not on the world stage. Okay. This is your second yeah. meet ever. Just take it. And every time it's worked out, every time really? I swear, every single time they got in a little bit more in the tank. And I, it was just pneumonia. Cause I'm like, that second was so slow. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I had one girl, her name was Haley. We did a meet our first meet together like three meet months ago, something like that. And she like her friend gave her ammonia before the last deadlift. She literally took a whiff. It was like nose bleach. Took a whiff. Oh god. Took <laughs> two steps forward, stopped, turned around, came back, tears streaming down her face. I was like, oh my gosh, she's not gonna even get a chance to go out there. Someone all starts walking out because she thought it was her turn next. I literally I had to go grab that lifter who was about to take my client's bar, pull her back, and then my client went out and got it. <laughs> in it it was so dramatic though she was like oh my god turned around walked back had to take a second <laughs> yeah and that's, that's why it, it can you know shock you if you've never done it before i'm like you know, uh, we had 10 more kilos <laughs> the way that moved <laughs> yeah but if you're not used to it yeah i think that could i wouldn't be surprised if something like if you're like holy shit it <laughs> <laughs> was like intense um yeah so Ideally, I would say probably practice with it beforehand, but you know, have fun at the end of the day. For sure. Do you do anything yourself to prepare for meet day ahead of time before it gets to meet? Because for me, it's really just the actual sitting on the floor for 10 straight minutes of like very intentional meditation. And besides that, I just picture I'm on the platform when I'm in training, but I feel like everybody is kind of thinking about their meat anyways when they're like two or three weeks out in the gym so yeah so it's um it's interesting because leading up to a meet right it's like you're 12 weeks out eight weeks out six weeks out and it probably doesn't hit me or really resonate um where until I'm about three weeks out where it's like it's game time right or when you start getting like the pre-meet jitters and I'll still get a little bit of um not necessarily nervousness but just that like your whole you know like this is game time right like so that usually happens to me about 
give or take three weeks out. And usually, um, you know, even at night I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm, I'm thinking about competing and it's like your whole, you just, you think about it nonstop. And so a lot of things that I'll do is go for a walk. Um, I just, that's like my way of, of meditating. I'll listen to a podcast. I'll listen to music. I'll go in a trail and just, just walk. Um, the week of, I mean, I really like getting a massage. That's kind of like my thing, you know, I'm gonna, and whether or not a massage actually like there's this physical, um, you know, like, are you really loosening your muscles with a massage or do you like the sensation of a touch, right? It feels good. Um, and it's relaxing in and of itself. So just getting a massage, um, mentally just, it, it feels good. You know, I'll sit in a sauna, um, and just kind of take it easy. I, um, fortunately I work from home, but when I was working, um, like in a normal job, I would probably take like a few days off before my competition. Um, and that was just a way that I could, you know, I want to, and I was doing a uh, strength and conditioning. So I'd be up at 4 30 AM. Um, and so I probably wasn't sleeping a lot. So having that week where I wasn't working, I would, you know, sleep in, make sure I was getting my eight or more hours, um, try to keep my work really light. So I wasn't do like on the computer, um, a lot and, yeah, just kind of like not really having a ton of responsibility per se. It's all about just like me kind of relaxing, making sure that I'm eating well, uh, making sure that I'm taking care of my mental health. So meditation, um, you know, walking, whatever that is, reading, whatever it is that makes you feel, feel good. Those are going to be huge because again, powerlifting is mostly mental and, you know, 60 seconds of actually working out <laughs> no 100 and like I definitely was thinking like what things do I add in just yeah. like I like add it in the meditation which I'm going to try to do like year long now but um I will say too like I mean I do have a nutrition coach just because like if I'm on my own I just tend to be like you know I can go over my picture against the car three times a week nobody cares <laughs> <laughs> um but I will say I do still tend to go like slightly over and under and I'm like 85% on point with nutrition when I'm like just chilling and so I definitely do try to be like all right like I really have to hit my carbs like I can't just be 30 grams under for no reason and then 45 grams over tomorrow like because in the like scale you and you're like, oh. become more uh stringent I guess mm -hmm. with your training your nutrition your diet and not to say we don't do that in an off season yeah. but maybe I'm more aware of it and I'm more strict. So yeah, maybe in the off season, I'm a little bit more lenient with my nutrition. I'll go out more with friends and go out to dinner. Yes. Whereas like leading up to me and maybe not so much anymore. Cause I don't have to cut as much weight as I used to. <laughs> um, but you know, leading into me, it's like you start, yeah, I'll probably stop going out, um, or going out to dinner. Cause I'm more strict with my, my diet. Um, but yeah, other than that, I would say just, it's, it's a lot of, it's a mental game. It's huge. So I think, like you said, that meditating is going to be super important and certainly underrated. I think one last thing I want to add is I don't have to do this myself just because I've done so many competitions now, but yeah. I think a lot of newer lifters they're like, okay, cool. So I'm going to picture myself getting the lift, picture myself getting the lift. 
I find value in giving yourself a time to picture what will happen if you fail a lift. Like genuinely, what will happen? Like write down what will yeah. happen if you fail a lift. Because some people, they're so unprepared for that and they fall apart. <laughs> and you're like, why did you just fall apart? And that's honestly, I think, going to make or, or break the lifter, right? From good to great. And I'll actually... um I've missed lifts in competition. <laughs> I just said I missed two deadlifts for three years straight. Yeah, we, we've all done it, right? And I remember um, all, for example, I missed, um, this was 2018 USAPL Nationals. This is when 72 weight class was still around, RIP. <laughs> and um, it was like, I was really neck and neck with uh, Chloe Dublin. Do you remember her? Of course I do. She yeah. had that movie stuff. I'm about to be like, yo, she hit me up months ago. <laughs> yeah. I think she's in med school now, but um, so she her is. and I were kind of um neck and neck. And I was always like, I was a good squatter. Um, she's a really good bencher. And I think her uh actually she's a better squatter than me at that meet. But I had missed my third attempt. You know, I was of the mindset, like I have to hit every single lift in order for me to to win, right? And so I missed my third squat and I'm like, kind of had this like freak out morning moment. Right. And, um, my coach at the time, he's like, Kristen, you know, I'm going to let you pout for another like two minutes, get it out of your system, be upset, but you still have six more attempts. And once we, you know, like be sad, but we're, we're going to move on and we're going to focus on our, our bench and our deadlift. And that was really helpful. So I don't think that you, you know, need to like, if you miss a lift and you have to feel like you're not supposed to feel anything at all, like, it, yeah, it's, it sucks. Right. Um, be sad, but then know when to move on. And that was, that really, really helped me because I ended up winning that year um, and became the national champion. And had I kind of like, oh, well, my, my meet's over now. I'm just going to like fuck around and just do what I whatever, you know, I probably would have missed more lifts. I probably would not have won. So I think, um, yeah, it's super important to kind of prepare yourself mentally um, if something like that happens. So yeah, that's a really good point that you brought up there. Good yeah, call. I feel like Meg Scanlon, was it 2021 Nationals oh, where she 15. like, she <laughs> Dude, you're a little too good at it, Meg. You're a little too good yeah she's like the queen like she's back. so good at like staying in the game yes. yeah yeah she's a good <laughs> but i want to say i think it was 2021 nationals yeah i think it was like the covid nationals that was weird where she literally missed her opener and had to come back out and like hit it on the second yeah i think it was that oh, one was it um because she had just had her her twins right yes. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of like just coming. I I do remember that. Yeah, and she still did really like she placed top three. Yeah, right? second, second. Okay, and I'm like yeah. yo, if I miss my opener, I mentally that I've never done that before. So like I'm mentally prepared to miss a lift, but miss my opener, that takes a lot to be like, all right, we're gonna come back, we're gonna nail it, and we're gonna keep going. <laughs> yeah, I and I'm not a hundred percent on this. So I'll I'll don't I'm not even gonna try to pull it up, but I think that. 2019 IPF Worlds, she was competing, and I think she missed her first and second attempt squat and got her third. I think I might be 
I'll have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure because I was there and I'm pretty sure like I was like, oh my God, this is like, I can't watch because this is just giving me so much anxiety. <laughs> um, but she, she made her third. And I think that year she came in second, I think. Well, she definitely got second at that one. Maria T won yep. that year because she was competing as a, a 57 at the Yep, and Maria time. T pulled that deadlift. Uh, yeah but they were still <laughs> neck and neck and I just mm-hmm. remember like it's one of those things where she you know she missed her first and that's a lot of pressure but she she pulled through and if I'm wrong I'm sorry Meg <laughs> well, <I> didn't <laughs> I genuinely can't tell you if you're right or wrong. you can probably google now while I talk but we're just gonna poop on Meg now because I'm gonna say one more thing Meg, I'll never forget. I'm on the plane on my way to Mega Nationals last year, 2022. I'm watching you on the plane. I paid eight bucks for Wi-Fi just to watch your butt compete. Okay. How how are you gonna miss two bench presses because you skipped the press command twice? But I already shit on her like in real life. And I know my podcast about it. It's just funny because she still ended up doing just she won that year. And it's just yeah. hilarious because she missed. <laughs> her second and third bench anywho our point is guys um when you fail a lift you have to be mentally prepared for that and if you want to write down like what will happen if you fail a lift like the actual reality not mentally the actual reality is the meet will continue on and you have however many more attempts to go that's the real reality and you can make a decision to still stay in it or you can make a decision to just not keep trying and kind of honestly bitch out um because you fail the lift right like you have that choice and so you have to be immensely strong enough to be like if I fail a lift what will happen is I'm going to have like 10 to 12 more minutes before my next attempt I'm going to (laughs) go into the next attempt and I'm going to try to hit it that's the actual reality yeah yep 100% so I just looked up um Meg so I was wrong she missed her opener redid her opener for her second she got it and then went up three kilos because it was I think a a record um and got it but she missed her opener which yeah I would that would be very unnerving like especially world championships and so she ended up placing second at that meet that's hard but yeah so the the best of the best y'all have missed quite a few lifts all right the person you look up to has probably missed a lot of lifts (laughs) It happens, but yeah, we it, it's not impossible to come back, so don't count yourself out. I uh-huh. guess over there, keep going, keep it moving, and try and do whatever you need to do to keep yourself in a good headspace. That's why yeah. I've stopped. Like I can't talk to people in between attempts or like while warming up. I can talk. I can talk a little bit once I've done all three squats and we have a decent break mm-hmm. before bench. But then once I start warming up for bench, it's a wrap. Shut up, like yeah and just be really selfish with your time like mm-hmm. don't allow the same client who was like I feel too good she told me like at meets like sometimes she'll be talking to someone but all of a sudden it's like time to like focus and I'm like pulling her to warm up and she's like but this lady is so nice and I'm like you know what I mean like all right it's time to focus like be you can say hey I gotta go and I gotta stop talking to you like it's okay and so that's you, more so local meat stuff where you have a lot of people around you though. Yeah. I think at the yeah, at the national level, no one's trying yeah, to Yeah, no one's doing that. Like well, maybe I, regular national sessions, a lot of people. Maybe somebody's like my first national. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> um but yeah, most of the like the competitions, especially I guess like recently, it's been because there's not a lot of lifters, it's you know, 
10 maybe in in a flight um and like enough where each lifter I think at nationals for PA nationals last year there was enough for like every person pretty much had their own platform I know great <laughs> beautiful thing so there was like nobody talking in the background which is funny because it's like you don't talk in the background but as soon as the meet's over it's like hey girl hey Uh (laughs) it's just an understood rule once you get to a higher level though well even not higher all the time but it's understood like we came here we spent six months training so let's uh do the meets and then we can hang out after and get drinks (laughs) exactly yeah so how do you um like, do you have a specific way that you taper your athletes? Um, I know we touched on this before, but um, yeah. How do you taper after a peak and now it's the week, week of the meet or two weeks if you're Ray Williams. <laughs> uh, how do you typically taper your athletes? Yeah. So right now I've been kind of bouncing between two things. Um, option one is like, we literally do the exact same amount of weeks we normally would. So example, four-week block person, always is four-week blocks. We do a yeah. four-week block and we quite literally treat the meet as the SPD session we would have done anyways. But I mm-hmm. still, on that fourth week, I pull back the volume a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I pull back the volume. Um, we uh, By that point, like week three, even we start to push off some accessories that like don't really matter too much uh we keep the important ones and so like let's say you're doing like hack squat I'm like this is helping your squat a lot I'll keep that in but like the bicep curls are out the lateral raises are out stuff like that um and like yeah so like the fourth week like we're just building into meat essentially um keeping the same structure the same amount of days probably I might like adjust the days back a little bit so you have like a, that full day of rest before the meet but we're keeping it extremely similar. And that fourth week is like your SPD session. Then I have another yep. option. Um, Depends on the person. And I will also say, I definitely use this more so for my older master's lifters. So they have a bit more time. If you're typically a four week block person, we'll do a five week block. So it's literally a full four week block. And again, same thing, like week four, we're definitely pulling off the accessories that don't really matter too much. Um, and then yeah. week five, so a whole extra week added in to taper. So you can just have more time um, to like have a bit less load and have a good meet. That's pretty much what we're doing. And again, same thing. I'm like, if you typically train four days a week, we'll probably train three days because the week day four is the meet, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, yeah, like I'm definitely... Well, that's what I say. I want you to do the same amount of stuff. So like if you're a four-time-a-week four bencher, we do three benches because day four is meet day. If you're a two-time-a-week squatter, you got to do one squat day. Potentially two if you're someone who probably needs one more day just to fill the bar in your back, but it's like 50% of your more max at that point. Just, and yeah. then, yeah, if you're a twice-a-week deadlifter, we're doing one deadlift. And we go. <laughs> and the next one is a meet day. Yeah, the next one's meet day. <laughs> You're getting the pattern. <laughs> do you um? So do you prescribe like a, a deload week, or I think some people instead of like a deload, their intro week will kind of act as the the deload per se, where it's like a lower stress week. Do you do that um? Like in an off season, is that how you determine the length of a a block? 
typically, yeah, I'm typically wave loading most of my athletes. There are some people who I learned they need like a full on like deload from squat and bench, but no, no, sorry, from squat and deadlift, but their bench can't handle that huge deload. So sometimes yeah. I'll literally full on deload them week one for squat and dead, but make their bench not really a deal, more like a wave load, pull back, but not like full on deload. Um, but yeah. 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 Cause my training philosophy has changed recently um my thoughts on deload so when I first started coaching and this is might be just because of the coach that I had and he was very um like a block periodization and every fourth week was a deload and so I used to do the same thing where it was like three weeks of training week four was a deload three weeks training uh week eight deload uh but within the past couple of years I've changed from so that would be more of like a proactive deload where you're planning the uh, uh the deload you know week four where now I am a little bit more reactive so I probably don't typically and it, it probably comes out to about four to maybe seven weeks um where someone probably needs some sort of reduction in volume and intensity um, but I'll kind of keep, you know, if they're doing really well and they're, you know, not feeling fatigued and they're, um, hitting rep maxes or their, their performance is increasing. It's like, well, why am I going to add a deload? Like that's basically an unnecessary week of like no training. So I've kind of, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to, we're going to keep going until maybe you hit that little, that plateau at the top where you're like, Hey, I'm starting to feel a little fatigued. Um, you know, maybe there's, you know, weights that you were doing the week before feel heavier. And I'm like, okay, well, that's probably a good time to deload and say, if that's like by week six. So I know that this person can probably train for about five weeks, um, consistently before they probably need to take a, a reduction. So with that said, um, there's two ways that you could go about it is I would do like a four week training and maybe that like so I know that their week five is like their best training week before they start seeing a reduction um so four weeks of training that fifth week might be the taper week and that's kind of how I've um kind of changed my philosophy uh as far as like um being proactive with my deloads and just okay we're going to deload every fourth week well maybe not every athlete needs to deload every fourth week um, to a more proactive where it's like, okay, we're going to find where, where, like, how far can you go before you start seeing a reduction in performance? And that will vary with, with athletes. So, like I said, probably anywhere between four to eight weeks or four to seven, I guess I have one athlete with a, like eight weeks, but yeah, it'll, it changes. So that's actually how I determine, uh, when a person deloads or, and, and the deload, but then ultimately the peaking and tapering for the meet. Yeah, and that I love this. And also, one thing that I've been enjoying playing around with, um, it's fun to learn an athlete really well to the point where you know, like, okay, I have to deload certain lifts at certain times, but they can't yeah. all deal at the same time. Like okay. my client Chelsea, who just competed two weeks ago, three weeks ago. I need to post her lift. She's so good. She's so good. And her post. <laughs> Oh my god, I suck. Um, this is what happens every time I close to me, I like forgets to do the, the usual post I make. I'm like, oh yeah, I have to compete. I didn't post it. But anywho, like she, we have to do a three week block for her bench, but we do yeah. four week block for squat and deadlift. When we did four week blocks for bench press, it was horrible. Like every fourth week, 
like it would just be so bad and i'll be like yo i thought we were about to pr it because the third week was so good and yeah. then i just turned to a full-on three-week block for her bench and then week four we pushed squat and dead and we pulled back completely on bench press and every week three it was just like pr 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 and then yeah. like i just set her up for like a three-week block going into her meet for bench press but four weeks for her squat and dead and like just it was beautiful and I was like yo I just it gets so much fun when you get to like really learn someone and you're really like looking at every time we get the program and you're getting all that feedback and like all right I figured yeah. it out what you need <laughs> for you to succeed uh, it's funny I actually um you know talking about tapers too where I've actually had clients who you know it's like they have to do a meet just to qualify for euros or ipf or something and so mm. sometimes i was like well we're not even gonna like taper we're just gonna like what you do when you're okay we're gonna have a normal training week and then your meet is gonna be the your fourth day of training and i had a client who like did phenomenal right with no taper or anything it was just like we just did a normal training block a normal training week leading into the meet just that you know day four was a meet day and she did really really well and so after that I was like okay well maybe we need to maybe you don't really need a taper as much as we thought we can keep it more um to like a how you would typically train leading into a meet um without having that um without having like a a taper per se so yeah, it's always kind of interesting that like how different people and different individuals respond to training. Again, that's like the fun part about like the individualized yeah. coaching. You get to yeah. learn the small things that work and you're like, yo, you're like a, what's the word? Like, you're like I don't see this often, but like I get to do this with you and it's cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's always fulfilling. Hey. I, enjoy, I enjoy coaching it's fun I get more <laughs> at this point I think when my lifters do well than when I do well oh 100% like <laughs> there's like the joy of like yeah. oh my gosh like we worked together and like it came to fruition like your goals like that's that's why yeah. people love coaching yeah. like that's why coaches who really put time and energy into it love it at the end of the day for ourselves like of course it's a great feeling but like it's not the same as like yo like we worked together for like four blocks and like yeah. <laughs> we put our heart and soul into it that meet day anxiety it's like when the meet's over I'm like I I'm more anxious than my athletes I'm like more excited by the end of it and they're like of oh course. my gosh <laughs> that's why the meet day coaching stressful like that's oh why God. that's way more stressful than me competing because I'm like like I've been looking at breasts <laughs> He like he he's calm and collected, but like you can see that he's like mentally like doing a lot. And I'm like, I'm yeah. just so happy I'm not you right now. I'm gonna chill right here. <laughs> go and listen to your music and lift weight. That's all. That's your job. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right, y'all. This is a good talk. Yeah, I enjoyed our conversation. It's fun. I know. <laughs> I hope everyone else enjoyed the conversation. You got something out of it. You learned a bit more about peace and tapers and why me and Kristen love coaching. <laughs> yeah, meditation. Apparently, we're all uh, Buddhists now and monks. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say, Jesus Christ in the Bible talked first about meditating, all right? And then Buddha stole it from Jesus. Let me not make this a religious podcast. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Been mentioned for a long time. <laughs> It is not new, but it's definitely, um, 
I think it's becoming more mainstream than it has been in the past, at least in like the, you know, US and more developed countries. Um, but it, yeah, I like it. I've been doing yoga. I go to yoga classes. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. This is not to be a whole other podcast. I'm like, wait, I did yoga like two weeks ago and I enjoyed it. They're so good, right? That's great. It. <laughs> oh yeah, look, look at us. We're gonna like, once we retire, we're just gonna become these like yogis and that'd be cool, right? Like a yogi. That sounds nice and relaxing. It sounds like a very peaceful, serene life. I like that. Yeah. Once I retire from powerlifting, my goal is just to become a phenomenal yogi. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Kristen, thank you once again for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. For always having me. And y'all, catch you next time on the Power and Lifting.